Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, October 14th, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page XXBI, paragraph 3. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Mary H., 12 Traditions, Erica W., Reading the Text, Marie P., Rachel M., and Sally A. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, October 13, 2014, 6951. 6951. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's step tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary H. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Mary H. in Connecticut, a recovered compulsive eater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you. I will now ask Erica W. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Thank you for your service, Melanie. This is Erica W., Grateful, recover, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page XXVI, paragraph 3, which starts with, though we work out our solution. And I will ask Marie P. to begin reading. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, fellows. Uh, This is Marie P., a compulsive overeater recovered. Though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as the altruistic plane, we favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who was very jittery or befogged. More often than not, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, as he then as he has then a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. My experience with overeating confirms this absolutely. When I was in the food, my husband tried and tried to persuade me to stop eating. 
And all that did was make me resentful, and I didn't stop overeating. This paragraph, um, of course, is talking of recovered alcoholics speaking to the person before he is dry. Um, My many years of going to meetings could also not stop me if I worked, if I wanted to take back the food. If I wanted to take back the food, I'm flipping page over. Going to meetings, sometimes one a day for 90 days, and using the tools were the way we got in touch with sponsors and other abstinent members. If I was in the throes of binging, I would do neither. I had to get to the point of self-disgust, hit my bottom before I put the food down and and asked for a sponsor. This did not happen until I woke up after eating always ended with until I woke up overeating always ended with me going to sleep. I always had to sleep it off. When I woke up the, the remorse would set in and then I was teachable. And this is what they're saying about the alcoholic when he's jittery or befogged. He's not teachable. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Marie. I would like to open this up now for those that would like to comment on what was read, but I would also like to ask, because of our growing membership, if each one would please include the first initial of their last name for those that may want to have contact. Good morning. Who would like to comment first? Hi, Larry. I heard Larry, Charles, I heard Kim, Rabia, Rabia, Sally, anyone else? We'll start with Larry Kay. Good morning, Larry. Thanks, Larry Kay uh, from Chicago, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Thanks, Mel, for your service. Um, you know, I uh, in this paragraph, you know, I, I get the privilege... Um, it is a privilege to talk to a lot of compulsive overeaters, and many of them are, are newcomers. Uh, some of them are, are have been around OA for years and years, and some of the people I speak to are abstaining from their binge substances. Um, other, other, you know, many, many are not, and, and I can identify with those people who are trying to make sense of this program. You know, they're they're often struggling to comprehend how does this program work. You know, what do they need to be doing and, and whether or not it will work for them. So in, the, in this paragraph, first we read, you know, a, a firm acknowledgement based on experience. We read that though we work out the solution on the spiritual as well as an altruistic plane, we favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who's still very jittery or befogged. So why is that? Um, well, it tells us. It says it's imperative that a man's brain be clear before he's approached. Because you know, he'll have a better chance of understanding or accepting what we have to offer. So, you know, the equivalent in OA, when I'm speaking to a person who's still in a food fog, I can tell you two things based on my personal experience. First, I know they're in the midst of a food fog. I know it because there's definitive characteristics of, of people who are under the influence. I mean, I, I maybe I thought I was fooling those around me, but, but it takes one to know one. I, I, I can tell. And the second thing is, is when I'm speaking to someone who's still jittery and befogged, you know, I've, I've come to appreciate the wisdom of the big book. 
and it says it's highly unlikely that the individual will be able to make sense and accept what this program is and what it what it offers. So befogged, I could I couldn't distinguish between results and causes. Couldn't distinguish between the results and causes. I was sure that food was the cause of my problem. It wasn't. It it, it was the, the you know my it was the the result. You know it was the result of my spiritual malady. You know, so we, we, we have to get honest with ourselves on what our binge substances are. And once we've done that, we have to be 100% willing to put them down. And until we do that, it's my experience that this practical program of action won't work. It, it didn't for me. You know, for the spiritual solution to work, I had to be 100% willing to put my binge substances down before embarking on this, this program of action. And, um, you know, this program has given me the courage to love you, you know, by accepting that you might not be ready to put the food down. No one could persuade you to be willing. Willingness is a one-person job. And the, the beauty of it is the pain of the disease will be your most effective catalyst, your most effective advocate. And when it bloodies you enough, the fellowship will be there like a beacon of light guiding your ship in as the fog lifts. That's what happened for me. The fog had to lift, and then this fellowship was a beacon of light, and then and only then was I able to comprehend what this spiritual solution had to offer me. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. Charles. Good morning, everybody. My name is Charles. I eat too much. A grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and I'd just like to drill down on... Um, Though we work on out our solution on the spiritual as well as altruistic plan, we favor hospitalization. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for that process, right? Um, and, and, and that's the reason why, you know, I, I love OA, but that that's the attraction rather than promotion. There's a reason why I don't go around buying no OA coaching mm-hmm. with diamond. Hello? Oh, I heard something. Anyway. There's a reason why I don't go around wearing no OA gold chain with diamond chips in it, talking about this and that, because um, thank God for the 12 steps. Like, thank God for the hospitalization process, right, for me, because, you know, for that hospitalization process, there was a certain willingness that I displayed. And then when my brain cleared up, because it was befogged and I was jittery, when my brain cleared up, you know what, not even when my brain cleared up because I went out for some more research, right? And then I went to the hospital a couple, a few more times again. And then um, when my brain cleared up a little bit on the spiritual tip, then I said, because I kept hearing when I was in those uh, rehabs, I kept hearing, you know, the 12 steps is the way. The 12, I kept hearing that, and I was just closed to it. I was not open. I was not, there was not a how in my life, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. I had a certain level of, yo, you know what, if I clear up a little bit, I can go back. (laughs) If I clear up a little bit. So it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he's approached. Then he has a better chance of understanding and accepting. It took me a few times to, to have a better understanding and accepting what 
um, <laughs> what recovery has to offer. You know, the enemy, which is my mind, wants me to fight for abstinence instead of loving and embracing recovery. Big difference. Big up my friend Kim for always saying that, and I love that, right? Um, this is the best. This is the best. This is the, the last house on the block and the first one that worked. One day at a time, you know. Um, I had to be willing, right? And I love on the top of page three seventeen where it says, "What is the two most important things in recovery? Keys to recovery: willingness and action. Willingness can't cannot be bought. You can't buy willingness. If it don't come from within, it ain't gonna happen. And I'm willing to go to any length." any lens, right, you know, um, spiritually, right, giving this back to, 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 to someone else, to a few people. Sometimes you get some people that call you with some unrealistic expectations. You know, I, I, I have a sponsor. I went through always 12 steps with a sponsor, yet still I'm still eating what you want. And, and, and I was in the gym yesterday listening to somebody tell me this, you know, on an outreach call, and, I'm praying for that person because it's all, I, you know, I'm praying for that person's willingness because people will give you a song and dance. I can relate. I remember because I did it. But, you know, when you get to that place, man, the bottom has a trap door. But when you get to that bottom, your bottom, your gut bottom, like this is it. When my mind is made up, you know, see, because where it says um, a man's brain needs to be cleared, I need to be brainwashed every single day, and I, and I thank my higher power. So with that, I'm going to shut up. I didn't talk too much because I missed yesterday's news. God bless you all. Thank you. Kim G. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. It is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before, before, before he is approached, as he has a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. So I went to the dictionary, because that word imperative seems really important. So what is the definition of imperative? It says, absolutely necessary, required, unavoidable a command. I mean, that seems pretty clear. You know, and, and what my personal experience shows me and what my observations are in, in watching compulsive overeaters is the more that I separate myself from the directions in this book and the more that I rationalize that I am not like the alcoholic, the less of a chance I have to recover. And let me tell you, one of the big delusions that had to be smashed for me was, man, I wish I was an alcoholic. All they have to do is not drink. I have to eat every day. I have to take the tiger out of the cage three times a day. It's so much harder as a compulsive overeater. And let me tell you, alcoholics do drink. In fact, if you don't drink, you're going to die faster from not drinking than you are from not eating. So alcoholics drink water, they drink soda, they drink juices. They do not drink alcohol. I am a compulsive overeater. I eat every day, but I do not eat those foods that create the phenomenon of craving. And once I accepted that, once again, it is imperative that my brain be cleared and that I'm no different from an alcoholic. The more open I was, the more a better chance I had of an understanding. And one of the most common questions I get is people will call me and they say, well, my sponsor dropped me because I couldn't get abstinent. 
And it sounds so mean and it sounds so cruel. But this is this part of the book is letting us know that we need to have the food down first in order to work the steps. And as a sponsor, as someone who works with others, I oh, want to give you the best you shot at recovering. And I don't want to stop the food from doing the job that it needs to do so that you become willing to work this program. So if I am letting you stay in that food and continue to give you the love and support and let you work through the steps, I am doing a disservice to you and to this Overeaters Anonymous. Because if you continue to work the steps in the food, you're not going to get the results. And if you don't get the results, you're going to think the steps don't work. When the reality is, if you're not abstinent, the steps aren't supposed to work. So I'll give you a quick analogy and then I'll shut up. You know, my grandfather was an active alcoholic until the day he died. And I remember as a teenager asking my mother, did Grandpa ever try to stop drinking? And she said to me, why should he? Because every night he would come home drunk. My mother would wake up me and my sisters. We'd pull him out of the bushes. He would pass out, throw up on himself. We would clean him up. We would get him upstairs. We'd put him in nice, clean, white seats. And every morning he woke up with no consequences. Why would he stop drinking? And I think about that, that if we are, are coddling people to the point that why would they change what they do? The big book is letting us know that it is imperative, imperative that a man's brain be cleared. And why is that? Is that because we're being mean? Is that because we're being cruel? No, it is because it is imperative because then that person has a better chance of understanding and accepting what this book has to offer. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Rabia M. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Rabia M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And thank you, everyone, for being on this line. I'm feeling so much the power and love. Our second tradition that there is for our group purpose, one ultimate authority, a loving God, as God may express himself in our group conscience. I feel God's love and power coming through the line. There's more than 200 of us on this line this morning, and 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 all of you uh, contribute to the power I get every morning to live this beautiful, abstinent life one day at a time. So... So imperative, also, I, I love this word because it's another way of saying must. And I get so much comfort in all the musts in this um, big book because uh, finally I know exactly what I must do and exactly what I must pass on for the guarantee of a permanent recovery one day at a time. And and so I feel so much better today. Yesterday I was feeling selfish and self-centered because I was on this line and I wasn't 100% sure that I had a protege. I, I had said we would both pray about it and while I was on the line I realized, of course I'm going to guide this person through the big book because I must, I must. And today I'm doing loving service and today's her third day of putting the food down, and today we're diving into this big book, and I just love, you know, I just love knowing that she's on this line here. You know, I 
I always now know that I must be at a face-to-face meeting or on this line with a protege that I'm taking through this big book. Otherwise, I'm just self-serving. You know, I need to learn more of what I need to learn by working with another. And so here's exactly where I give an assignment to my protege. I've learned that um, in this paragraph is the first place that we see where we must put the food down. There are five places in the doctor's opinion before page one where it tells me that I must put the food down. And and here it is, imperative that a man's brain be cleared. So there's four more. And I, so I, I'll tell my protege, okay, here's your assignment. Read this ahead of time and find the five places. And they, can all, they can't ever find all five of them. I couldn't find all five of them. And then I went back and read them with my big book guide, and we found them together. So, so um, it, it is very it's imperative, yes, that we put the food down. And I love what everybody's already said. I, I love studying this big book with all of you. I love passing it on. I am so filled with joy today. Um, that I'm working with another um, recovering compulsive overeater and all the guarantees in this program, and God bless us all. I pass. Thank you, Rabia. And we'll take one more share before we move on. Sally A., will you do that for us? Sue? Yes. Sue? Good morning. Can you hear Sally? <laughs> so sorry, Sally. A is the last one on the list before we move on. Unless you have a burning desire, do then we can take you to. Um, can you hear um, me now? I I'll can. Let Sally. Sally go. Thank you. Okay. Good morning, Do. Good morning, Mel, and good morning, A Vision for You. It's Sally A in South Jersey, a recovering compulsive overeater, and of course, so much has been said, and I just want to come behind and just say that. Um, When we look at these sentences, speaking to what's been read this morning, though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as an altruistic plane. So what that says to me is we're working out our solution in step 11, which is a spiritual, and on the altruistic plane, which is step 12. I want to just hone in on that word, and I'm coming behind here. um, what I want to just back up what others have said, but you know, share from a different angle. This word altruistic in the Big Book Dictionary says helping others, showing concern for the welfare of others. And so uh, it, it really isn't easy when people come to us, um, when people come to a recovered person, when people come to me as a recovered person, it's not easy to know if they're ready. And I remember when somebody said that to me once, you're not ready. I had, I had changed my fruit, and, you know, at that time I was honestly did not know I had, I had created a sin. I had done something wrong by switching my fruit, and was, I was told by that new sponsor, brand-new sponsor, that day she agreed to work with me. This is long before I got to, um, came to the big book study. But she said, you're not ready. And I'll never forget it, even to this day. And it, it causes me to stop short of using those words. They're so harsh. But you see, when this, cha- this paragraph tells us Though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as the altruistic plane, we favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who is very jittery or befogged. I, I say this to you because we want to help. We all want to help. The recovered people on this line and the recovered people on the planet 
want to be altruistic. We want to help others, and we are concerned for the welfare of others, and we want to help, and that's why we have to take this position very clearly that's told to us here. It's imperative that the guy's brain, that whoever you are, you've got to be cleared before you are approached, before we can do anything to help you. This is where you've got to start. And as has been said before, yes, there's a number of places that it says it. One other place on XXX in the bottom, it tells us the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence, XXX, bottom of the page. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. We know from page 35 that the crux of the matter is that is the mental state that precedes the relapse into our binging. We know that from page top of 35 that the crux of the matter is our thinking. But before we can treat the thinking of the still sick and suffering compulsive overeater, first they have to put the food down. You got to put the food down first. Not for weeks, not for months, for a couple of days. And finally, I would just bring you to 96 at the top of the page to back this up, this principle that is so crucial to your recovery. Put the food down and then start to work. Roll up your sleeves and get to work on these steps so that you can have a paradigm shift, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery as we learn on page 567. So top of 96. Do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. Search out another compulsive overeater and try again. Here's the key. You are sure to find someone desperate enough, desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you have to offer. goes on to say to spend too much time on any, on any one situation is to deny some other compulsive overeater an opportunity to live and be happy. One of our fellowships failed entirely with his first half dozen prospects. He often says that if he had continued to work on them, and these are the key words for me, because I don't want to work on anyone anymore. I want to work with you. I don't want to work on you. He might have deprived many others who have since recovered of their chance. So we're not, we don't, we're not mean, and we're not trying to be, you know, exacting we're just following the instructions because the truth of the matter is it works. It works. So so put the food down. You need help putting the food down? Sure. Make phone calls. Make phone calls. Carry your toothbrush in your back pocket. Pray. That's what the book tells us, not the toothbrush part, of course, but pray. It does tell us to pause, to ponder, and pray because we have an impulse disorder truthfully we have an impulse disorder in rushing to pick up so we need to pause as it tells us in the bottom of 87 we need to ponder as it tells us repeatedly in different places and we must pray and believe me god will help you do what you cannot do for yourself there really is such a thing as pink cloud abstinence that's my experience thanks for letting me share with that i pass thank you Thank you, Sally A. And thank you for those that can include you, the first initial of your last name for distinction amongst all names. And now I will ask Rachel M. to continue our reading on page XXBII, The Doctor Writes. Good morning, Melanie. This is Rachel M. And I am a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic. The Doctor Writes. 
The subject presented in this book seems to me to be of paramount importance to those afflicted with alcoholic addiction. I say this after many years' experience as medical director of one of the oldest hospitals in the country treating alcohol and drug addiction. There was, therefore, a sense of real satisfaction when I was asked to contribute a few words on a subject which is covered in these ma- in such masterly detail in these pages. We doctors have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology was of urgent importance to alcoholics, but its application presented difficulties beyond our conception. What with our ultra-modern standards, our scientific approach to everything, we are perhaps not well equipped to apply the powers of good that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. I, too, find it very satisfying to um, get to share on these masterly, masterly, well-written pages. Um, it is amazing combination, amazingly challenging combination to find an answer for something that's both um, psychological and physical. But these um, the pages in the big book describe um, a very clear path for recovery for us. And when I came in, I could hear it very clearly. Um, and I just want to say that it works to put down the food and work the steps as it's laid out in the big book. And that's all I have. I pass. Thank you. Who would like to comment on what was read? Hannah. Karen? Hi, Hannah. I hear Hannah and I hear Karen. Good morning, Hannah. Good morning. This is Hannah. I'm a re- Hannah S. I'm a recovered um, compulsive eater in Colorado. Thank you for all the work that goes into having this meeting. Um, I, You know, what really strikes me about this um, having a background in social sciences and that synthetic knowledge and um, is it, that our human efforts can get in the way of the spiritual relationship between an individual and whatever the life force is, the higher power is and and so our um, you know, um, I'm looking up the word synthetic, and it says not real or genuine, artificial, um, produced by chemical synthesis rather than of natural origin. And the belief implicit in here is the belief and understanding that there is something more than our human knowledge, what we can access with our minds. And, and it's that something more that is needed to treat this disease. And I, 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 I appreciate the doctor's courage 
um, especially at the time that this was written when when science was really um, much more not much more important but but a much more dominating force in um, mental health than it, it, today there's more recognition of spirituality and the need for the 12 steps um, so that's this is just it helps me know oh I step aside and let whatever it is that makes spring come every year um, do its work with an individual thanks with that I pass thank you Hannah Karen T Hello, this is Karen. Can you hear me? Hi, Karen T. Good morning. Hi, I'm Karen, a compulsive reader. So glad to be here live. Thank you, Mel, for your service. Thank you, everyone who's on the line. I usually have to listen to it recorded, but this morning I'm live. I'm very excited. It's such a humble statement that this doctor writes. But with our ultra-modern standards, our scientific approach to everything, we are perhaps not well-equipped to apply the powers of good that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. All the knowledge that this doctor has did not help. Something had to help that's outside of our synthetic knowledge, outside of all of the knowledge that we can understand. We're beyond human aid. And that's what this doctor is saying, that he, you know, all of his studies and learning and knowledge was not enough, didn't have the power to stop anyone from, well, that's not true, a real alcoholic, true addict from returning at some point. So that's a very humble statement that this doctor said that what I do doesn't work and um, there has to be a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity. So it's again a reminder that human aid does not work, but God could and would if he were sought. It reminds me of the A, B, and Cs um, that we read and how it works. On page 60, we're alcoholic and could not manage our own lives, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism and see that God could and would if he were sought. So uh, this doctor is admitting that no human power can relieve our alcoholism. No knowledge can relieve our alcoholism. We have to have a higher power. We have to have, we have to apply the powers of good. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Paula D. May I comment? This is Rochelle. Uh, Paula D., yeah. Rochelle, anyone Leia. else? Do. And Leah. And Do. And Rochelle. Did I hear anyone else after Rochelle? I have Paula, Rochelle, Leah, Du, and Rakefet. Good morning, Paula. Good morning, and thank you for your service. 
this would be Paula D., uh, compulsive reader today, by the mercy of God, recovered. We come here to this line, and I will go to two places here that say the same thing. And the word is just a little bit different. We doctors, now they came together here. We understand about coming together also in this meeting. We doctors have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology was of urgent importance to alcoholics. All right, so they already know this, but it's application. That was it. It's like you're standing at the wall. You got the paintbrush in hand. The paint can is there. You can't put it on the wall. It seems like, well, this is simple enough. It ain't going to stick. It presented difficulties beyond our conceptions. All these great minds, they couldn't make it stick because it was beyond them. It had to come into from a different realm, a realm that they knew about but they could not draw from. What with our ultra-modern standards at that time, and that they were, our scientific approach to everything, oh, yeah, we're going to figure this one out. No. There's no figuring here because it doesn't add up. Why would it continue when you know you were killing yourself? It doesn't add up. But then it goes on. We are perhaps now here the humility, not well equipped, not well equipped with everything we have to apply. Now that's again, it comes the same word, the powers of good lie outside our synthetic knowledge, just outside, beyond our reach. And there, only God. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you. Rochelle? Good morning. This is Rochelle in Baltimore, recovered food addict. I am so happy to be on the line this morning. Oh, I love this this uh, doctor's opinion. So uh, here we are in the, the paragraph on XXV, we doctors, etc. Oh, my goodness. So I see moral psychology. I underlined it. That's God. And then power, higher power. And then there's powers of good. Well, hey, take away is a no. You got God. The powers of God, not just good. God that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. So just just that much is what I wanted to say. And it's it's so so nice to hear that science isn't everything. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle. Leah? Leah M.? Thank you so much, Melanie, for your service. This is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, I say this after many years' experience as medical director of one of the oldest hospitals in the country treating alcoholic and drug addiction. Obviously, we're now studying uh, Dr. Silkworth's second letter here and you know always have to take a moment to uh you know acknowledge and appreciate and express my gratitude to him um you know he risked his professional reputation this uh dr silkworth he was the first physician to fully understand and put into words what the alcoholic's problem is and i'm so grateful that we study it here uh because if we don't study it we don't realize it's importance of the doc- the doctor's opinion, 
you know, is the foundation of the whole big book and it, the entire fellowship. You know, without it, the entire book uh, doesn't make much sense. So I'm grateful that we study it today. And, of course, you know, during his career as a physician, um, he treated over 50,000 alcoholics. Among them was Bill W., and he freely risked his professional reputation to champion, you know, this fledgling movement called Alcoholics Anonymous, and and I'm so grateful for that. It goes on to say, uh, Dr. Sokwa says, what with our ultra-modern standards, our scientific approach to everything, we are perhaps not well-equipped to apply the powers of good that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. I mean, isn't that incredible that... uh, you know, he's acknowledging this man of medicine who was held in such high esteem is acknowledging the limitation of his art, much like um, Dr. Carl Jung did in his work with Roland Hazard. You know, he too acknowledged the limitation of his art. These men stood powerless beside the merciless obsession of the alcoholic. Because Dr. Silkworth and Dr. Carl Jung, as wonderful and knowledgeable as they they were, um, they were human. They were earthly. And we need something beyond human aid. You know, we have this, uh, this you know, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. We're rendered powerless, and we need something beyond human aid. You know, so Silkworth here is acknowledging the limitations of his art. Essentially, it's the same courageous concession made years earlier by Young to his, you know, patient Roland Hazard. You know, that science and Western medicine, as wonderful as they are, can't save, uh, you know, the alcoholics from the bottle, just like all the therapists and psychiatrists and, uh, you know, help that I sought couldn't save me from the bags and boxes. I continued to dig my fists uh, into those uh, bags and boxes only through a, a higher power relationship, through this moral psychology, uh, might we harness the powers of good. I like to read the powers of God that will deliver us from the merciless obsession, and that's exactly what we get in this book. We get through the process of these pages, after having uh, separated from the substance, we have a spiritual awakening, which is outside of synthetic knowledge. You know, it's beyond uh, intellect. It's beyond self-knowledge. It's beyond the mind. It's a spirit-guided mind. And in that spirit-guided mind, we are changed in the way we think. We're changed in the way we feel and especially in the way we behave. And what distinguishes this 12-step process that we study every morning from self-help programs and psychiatrists and therapists and doctors, etc., is that the change is done to us, not by us, but we are responsible for the implementation of these steps. And through that, we are transformed. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Do L. Good morning, Ms. Do. Duell from New York, uh, Recovered Compulsive Old Reader. Can you guys hear me? I can. Good morning. Great. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know if I muted or not. Um, well, what I would like to focus on is what the doctor writes. You know, Dr. Silkworth wrote and advocated for these 100 men and women who were recovering and um, 
And he says, the subject presented in this book seems to be of paramount importance to those afflicted with alcoholic addiction. So paramount, meaning ranking higher than anything else, is foremost important for these afflicted um, addicts. And why is he saying that? Uh, well, prior to that, he was saying that these men uh, may well have the remedy for thousands of such situations. Well, you know, and that interests me because not only does he give the problem, but he gives, he advocates that these people have a solution, a way out towards alcoholic addiction, towards those that are afflicted with this illness of, you know, uh, of alcoholic addiction. And when I look up the word remedy, it says um, it's a medicine that cures something that corrects an evil or compensates for a loss. And we know that with alcoholic addiction, there's no cure, but it does correct an evil or compensates for a loss. And then he says you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Um, you know, place your faith or your confidence in anything they say about themselves. Now, is this somebody that's just walking up the, uh, out of the street and, and an alcoholic and you can absolutely rely on anything they say? No, that's not what he's talking about here. He's saying that the things that they wrote in this book, the things presented in this book, the 100 men and women who wrote this book, that's what you can rely on. What, what is it that we're relying on? We're relying on the 12 steps. We're relying on these, this program that takes you step-by-step step to a solution. And, and that's what I see from this. It's, it's massively detailed in these pages and the subjects that's presented and cover. What, what, what is covered in this book? It's the problem. The problem that I'm condemned to an allergy of the body, an obsession of the mind. And only something greater than ourselves can correct it. Because they've tried it, and I mean, we cover that paragraph very beautifully, and uh, I'm just going to briefly um, touch on it, is that, you know, what is the synthetic knowledge? It's man-made human powers, it's the pills, it's the surgery, it's the therapy, it's the exercise, it's the diet clubs, it's the, you know, it's the, the my trying to control, you know, how things work out, you know, with myself. And he's saying, no, that has not worked, obviously, for the alcoholic. I, for me, as a compulsive overeater, it has not worked. <laughs> I know. I've tried it over and over and over. So he's saying that there is an important application to this, that, you know, we need something more than this. And, and these people have found that, you know, and it's outside the scope of medicine. It's outside the scope of, of um, their own uh, technology, you know, and it's, it's the powers of good, or as we like to consider it, the powers of God. Um, it's about having that spiritual awakening, how, how Leah touched on it. And, um, and it just gives me hope, you know, because I know I was stuck on this for a long, long time, and it wasn't until I really un understood that there was, you know, first I had to understand my problem, and then I had to apply the, the remedy. But how do I apply the remedy? Well, there is a book designed to show us step-by-step step how to apply the powers of good. That is so amazing. I'm so grateful for this book. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Du. For Kefet Z. Janice? Great. Um, this is for Kefet Z, like in Zebra, from California, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. So what I wanted to to speak about is synthetic knowledge. What is synthetic? To me, synthetic means man-made. 
man-made, not God-made, not spiritually made, man-made. It's something that we can construct. And since we are all mortals, human beings, we have a finite limit of what we can think of as a solution for overeating. And what, what kind of solutions have we come up with? They've all been man-made. Surgery, uh, drugs to kill our appetites, drugs to make the fat melt off, which don't work. Hypnosis. All these things that we, all these types of solutions we've created because they're synthetic. They're not real. They're just man-made solutions. And they don't work. They don't work for the real alcoholics. It didn't work for me, for sure. So, What's left for me is to find another solution. And man is finite. We're going to read that later on in the book. Man is finite and God is infinite. And since man is finite, I don't believe that he can at this point in his development find a solution that works because I haven't found it. I haven't heard of anyone having that kind of solution. So I have to, I have to when my back is against the wall, and I have tried everything, everything, everything I can think of, and I just see that this disease has me licked. Then I turn to God. I turn to God because God is infinite. God can do anything. God sees the whole picture. God can show me the path to a solution. And that's not man-made. That's God-made. And God can do that because God is infinite. He has infinite wisdom, knowledge, whatever whatever you want to say. So I am grateful that when I, when I had to hit my bottom, my last bottom, I hope, that I had to realize that the only thing that was going to save me from dying from this disease is picking up the spiritual tools. And so I um, thank you for letting me share and I pass. Anita, Jay. Thank you, Rick Caffet. Thank you very much. And we do have time for one two-minute share. And I heard Anita J. Yes. May I? Yes, Anita. Good morning to you. We do have two minutes. All right. Thank you so much, all of you. And thank you, Melanie, for your service and everybody's share. What hit me today was Dr. Silkworth and I had something in common this time around, I've heard, I've read his stuff before, but I, on the lines, I came in on the doctor's opinion, not knowing what was going to happen to me, but what happened to me was recovery. I'm Anita J., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. And um, what I think hit, hit me today is we were both teachable. I don't know how many doctors you've taught anything to or how you can shake yourself up with your own will. It, I mean, it, it doesn't, I don't see it very often and ever. But this time, I didn't even know I was doing the set-aside prayer. I, I, didn't, I had never heard of it. But I, I put aside everything I knew as I looked back at why, this, this, why did it work this time? I know a lot. My book was underlined up the kazoo, and it's my second book. He knew a lot, but he saw results, and I heard results. I heard results on this line over and over and over, and I just can't believe 
that my God loves me this much. You know that? And um, I'm not thinking to myself, well, how come it took 37 years in the program for him to show it? He always showed it. It was me who just couldn't receive, couldn't receive. I pray I keep receiving it and be grateful and um, hope that everybody, whether they picked up last night or got up with some food in their mouth, hear this doctor's opinion. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sally A. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, Moni. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day. For the man who is still sick, the answers will come. If your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got, see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.